Welcome to the Startup Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Neill, and this is episode number 10. This week, I'm speaking with Bronson Taylor of Growth Hacker TV, a must-watch resource about growth hacking. What's most impressive about Growth Hacker TV is their flawless execution. This week, I discuss with Bronson how they've grown what's effectively a large and profitable interview platform, how they acquired customers, and how they've attracted some top-notch interviewees. I'm really excited to have Bronson on, so let's get started. How's it going, Bronson? Hey, it's going awesome. Thanks for having me on the show, Nick. Yeah, no problem. So I wanted to kick things off real quick to find out what is Growth Hackers and how did you get started with it? Yeah, well, Growth Hacker TV, it's an educational platform for learning how to growth hack. Um, I got started with it. I kind of backed into it. Um, I was launching some startups and I found myself doing things in a unique way. I was trying to grow them and I was trying to market them in a way that was just a little bit outside the box, a little more clever than what I was reading about online. And I didn't realize how bizarre what I was doing was until I started talking to people and they're like, wow, like I never really thought about it that way. So then I put together a course on Udemy on growth hacking. Um, it might have been the first course you know, that you could buy on growth hacking on Udemy. I'm not totally sure, but it was either one or two, something like that. And um, just got a lot of feedback from it. People loved it, you know, and growth hacking was in its infancy, but it was kind of the only place to really learn what it was and how to think like a growth hacker. And a guy actually took my course and, uh, you know, wanted to meet with me and, you know, talk potential where, you know, where we could go from there. And he ended up becoming a co-founder of Growth Hacker TV. So we got together, had coffee at Starbucks, started really planning through how to go beyond just a course and really have a platform for really deep education on growth hacking. Um, and that's what Growth Hacker TV is. It's a place where I record episodes with great thought leaders that know how to grow startups and really try to expose all of the tricks that have been hidden for so long. So in a nutshell, that's Growth Hacker TV. Sounds awesome. I love the site. And when you first started off, you know, you just ended up uh, with the presence and it was like, where did these guys come from? <laughs> yeah. So... I think what would be useful is during this interview is to find out how you ended up doing that. And uh, you mentioned a couple of things beforehand uh, while we were chatting. One of them was how you got those people on the show. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I get this question all the time. So I know people are actually interested in it. And they ask, you know, how did you get to where you are in terms of the kind of people on your show? Because we get the biggest of the big people. I mean, you know, the, the guys that are don't respond to email, they'll come on our show. And so... People are always interested because they're trying to start their own podcast. They're trying to start their own content thing. Um, so one of the things we did is what we call the Clarity Prison. And this is what we did like day one. We had no guest. We had no name. We had no momentum, nothing. So day one, we went on Clarity and we picked out a few guys that we wanted to have on the show. And so we knew if we got a few big name players that we could name drop them to get bigger people and then name drop them to get bigger people. So it was all about the psychology. You got to start with some legit people. So we went on Clarity and we actually bought their consulting services over the phone. And so we bought like 30 minutes of consulting or an hour of consulting, you know, whatever it was. I don't actually remember. Um, and so I would get on the phone with them and they'd be like, all right, great. So what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, I actually don't want your advice on my startup. I want you to come on as a guest. And they're like, oh, so what's this call about? And I'm like, well, it's a sales call. I bought your time so that I can sell you something. I want to sell you on coming on my show. And they're like, huh, that's original. <laughs> and so they're expecting to like have to do consulting. And instead, all I need is a yes from them and a date and a time that they'll come on the show. And then we can end the call and they'll get paid. And, you know, none's the wiser. And so they actually liked that tactic. They weren't 
you know, you think they might be annoyed by that. They thought it was awesome. They thought it was funny that somebody had the guts to actually try that. Um, they get on the call and it's just not what they were expecting. And we got our first couple guests just by doing that. And so then we could say, hey, the guy that grew Hulu to X number of million, you know, users. Yeah, he was our first guest. Do you want to be the second guest? Do you want to be the third guest? And so that's how we kind of got it started was with Clarity Prison. Um, and another thing we did to really have a huge impact at the very beginning, and this is different because a lot of people don't do this when they're putting out content. We waited until we had 50 episodes recorded, full episodes edited, 30 minutes to an hour each before we ever opened up our site to the public. And so the day we launched, there was 50 episodes and we just thought to ourselves, we're going to put out so much content on day one that they're going to feel like we've been around forever, that we're super legitimate. Um, it's going to take them a long time to catch up. And we knew that way our value proposition would be high enough. Hey, we already have 50 episodes. It's worth the monthly fee to be a part of this community. Um, and so that was two of the things we did to really get the ball rolling and why we picked up so much momentum so fast. So I hope that uh, answers your question, Nick. It definitely does. So real quick, just to summarize. So you started off with, you called it the Clarity Prison. prison? <laughs> yeah, prison. Because they couldn't go anywhere. I bought their time. <laughs> and are you able to block off 30 minutes ahead of time and pay, and pay for the full, full block on Clarity? You know, I actually don't remember the details of it. We might have actually kept chatting because maybe they got paid you know, by how long the call actually went. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I didn't actually set up the call. One of the other founders did, and I would just get on the call and sell them. Um, but either way, it worked out that they got paid and I got them to come on the show. <laughs> you know, I actually did the same thing with one of my guests uh, on the show already. So uh, I've, I've definitely replicated part of what you uh, just described. So we went over how you got them through Clarity. We also discussed quickly, or you briefly touched on uh, how you've started with 50 episodes at the beginning. Uh, which is honestly that that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, mo most people would never do that. Well, you know what? The, here's the insight on that. Let me say this real quick is, you know, you have no feedback, right? Because you're recording 50 episodes, but nobody's watching them. So I had to really believe in myself that this was an awesome idea because it took me so much effort to record 50 episodes without ever releasing one of them. I mean, I remember at one point I was doing three episodes a day sometimes, which means I had to write three sets of questions for tomorrow's interview. And so I was just all day long writing questions, you know, you know, connecting with these people, you know, getting them uh, on the episode, recording it, all that stuff. At one point I looked at one of my co-founders and I was like, I got to take a day off. My insides hurt. Like my organs actually hurt. I'm talking so much and recording so much and hustling so hard. And that's the thing. Most people, they don't have the ability to push something that hard without feedback and everybody telling them what they're doing is awesome. But I knew that this was going to work and I just had to keep going. And so that's a part of it too. If you really know you're onto something, you got to believe in yourself, whether anybody else knows about it or not. So how many, uh, or how, how long did it take you to record those 50 episodes. You said you were doing three a day sometimes. Yeah, but sometimes three a day. I mean, that wasn't the norm, but sometimes it was. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I'm guessing it was maybe a couple months. Um, but that was also building the website. It was doing a lot of other things. It was the engineers, you know, the designers. It was everybody working together. Um, so it was a couple months that it took the whole thing to come together. And I don't remember how much of that was spent recording episodes, but you know, it, it was a very short time frame. We didn't play around with it. All right. So you got them on the show, you recorded the episodes, you launched with 50. What was, 
the you know what was something else you mentioned before that you were leveraging those interviewees audiences uh, can you talk a little bit about that yeah absolutely we we're always about leveraging audiences because as a growth hacker I mean, it really, it all comes down to leverage. How can you take a little bit and make it a lot? How, you know, the, the famous person, the famous scientist said, you know, give me a lever long enough and I'll move the entire earth. And I love that quote because it's true. Like we don't think about it, but if you actually had something the size of the earth, if you had a lever that was long enough and strong enough, you could move the earth with just a little bit of, of energy and power. And so it's all about leverage. So you're going to be looking at who has audiences that would also want our content and how can I get inside of that audience and leverage it for myself. So one of the ways we did it, we had all these awesome guests. So every time a guest episode is released, it, our system automatically emails the guest and it looks like it's a personal email for me and they usually think it is, but it's an automated email. And it says, hey, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. It was an awesome episode. I know everybody's going to love it. Um, here's a link that if you share this link, then nobody has to be a paying member to watch your episode. If you share this on Twitter or Facebook, then you can use it to build up your own personal brand because of all the people you're in the midst of, all these other great um, guests that came on. And so that way it benefits you um, and it gets us traffic. And those guests then go out and without fail, they tweet it to however many followers they have and they share it on Facebook. And so every time we have a guest, we leverage their audience. Uh, another way we leverage audiences is we knew that Ryan Holiday was coming out with a new book on growth hacking called Growth Hacker Marketing. And so we connected with him and he actually interviewed me for the book um, just to kind of get inside the minds of some of the people you know, leading this movement. And we actually had an idea after you know, talking to him. And so we went to Penguin and we said, hey, can we just put a promo code for a free trial of Growth Hacker TV on the last page of the book? Um, because your audience is perfect for us and then it gives them value. So when they buy the book, they're actually getting something beyond just the book itself. And Penguin loved it. Ryan Holiday loved it. We loved it. And so we leveraged his audience um, as an author. And so it's always about leveraging audiences. And then early on, I did a lot of guest blogging for the same reason. I wanted to leverage audiences. Um, so that's another big uh, thing we did to really win. So leveraging Ryan Holiday's audience, where, is, there, is there sort of a process that you have in place now for each new interviewee, like to have them tweet it out or send it out or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as the episode is uploaded by our VAs into our system, it, the, the system is built to where the email is automatically sent to them with all their information in it. So it says, hey, first name, your episode link is, you know, and there's a URL. So it's right at this point, it's 100% automated. Um, but yeah, there's a process. So they get the email and then they can, you know, go from there and tweet it out. Wow. So you've built a massive interviewing machine. Absolutely. And at first, more of it was done by hand. But as we decided things were repetitive and they were working, then we slowly automate all the pieces. So now I don't book the interviews. Um, I don't talk to the guest ahead of time. I show up. I record the interview. When I'm done recording, I drop it in a Dropbox folder. A VA takes it, edits it uploads it to our website, puts all the data in for it, and then we just hit the publish button whenever we feel like publishing a new interview. So I don't do anything but show up and talk now. <laughs> that is awesome. I think you know anyone else who's doing interviews would love that, uh, especially myself. Yeah, so It's hard, but here's the thing. I recorded you know over 100 interviews before it was that automated. So you have to be willing to do it the hard way before you get the privilege of doing it the easy way. Um, and because I had it as a hard way to learn what needed to be automated and what needed to be just not done at all. And so you, that's the thing, you have to be willing to do something hands-on the hard way before you can make it easy. Because if you don't do it hands-on yourself, 
you don't have the knowledge, the deep knowledge of what an automation system in perfection would look like. And so I think you have to go through that process. Yeah, I agree. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, a lot of people uh, who run startups will say, you know, once you've done something twice or in this case, a hundred times, uh, may it make sure you automate it. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that goes for everything in the organization. I mean, you know, like take sales, for example, people are terrified of selling something, but you know what, if you're going to eventually automate sales, you can't just start with sales automation. You have to go out yourself, I think as a founder and you make the first sale, you make the second sale, you make the first 20 sales. Now you know how to train a sales team because you know the pitfalls, you know what works, you know what doesn't, you know what the customer you know is going to ask. And so you have to be willing to be the first one through the woods with the machete, making a path before you ever get like on this automation kick. Although automation is awesome, you have to wait for it until the time is right. So with that in mind, did you sell directly your first initial members to Growth Hacker TV? Yeah, I mean, the first members, it was really, you know, using the, the, the people that came on the show and their audiences. Um, and it was just, you know, slow growth. You know, you get a few people in, they become members. And then they start talking about it. We had a lot of word of mouth. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it's slower at first. And then we started adding in these little hacks to kind of accelerate what we did the hard way at first. Um, and I know some of these hacks are the things that people really enjoy talking about. So if you want, we can get into some of those, like the ombre bar and the warning and the, the traffic jacker. Um, so you want to dig into those a little bit? Totally. In one second. But first, I just want to ask you a couple quick questions questions about the beginning of Growth Hacker TV, uh, which you were just referring to. So did you have a paid membership program from day one? Oh, absolutely. In no way were we going to give away this content. Um, I'm a businessman. I don't, you know, it's not my hobby to create content. <laughs> I don't want to sit around and just create content for the sake of some future possibility that I'll have a name that can turn into money later. Like if I make something and spend my time making it, I'm going to sell it. And it's because I have that view that I value my content so highly, other people learn to value my content. It's when you don't value your own content, other people won't either. So from day one, if you wanna watch these 50 epic episodes, then you're gonna pay a monthly fee. And the people that get the most value out of it and the people that love what they're learning, they're happy to pay a fee because you can't get this kind of content just anywhere. I mean, we're digging in deep to the, the things these companies did and, and going behind the scenes and exposing things that are around the corner that people aren't even talking about yet so you can stay ahead of the curve. And so, um, yeah, we charged from day one. And so were the interviewees that were gated, were, did they have any issues with that? You know, everyone thought they would. Um, our team didn't really. We, we, we didn't know really. Um, all the other people that we were getting feedback from that was the thing they kept saying is, oh, these interviewees are going to feel like you're riding on their coattails and you're getting paid and they're not. Um, but the reality is, because we had such great guests, they felt honored to be a part of that group. And as long as we kept our roster really high quality and so they would feel good about being a part of it, they're coming to us begging us to be on the show now. We get emails every couple of days. Hey, can I come on your show? Here's my growth. Here's how much money I raised. Here's how much I sold my company for. Um, they want to be on a show that sells their content, even though they don't make money from it, because it's the kind of place they want to be involved with. They want their name attached to. And from day one, that was the, um, that was the consensus. No one has ever had a problem with us selling our episodes. And part of the thing too is uh, we give them a unique link that when they share that link to their episode, it is open to the public if you come through their channel. Um, and it's the, it's the only way to see their episode without having to become a member. And so 
because there is an outlet for them to share it with their audience, I think that also helps them. Got it. So that makes a lot of sense. So you gave them a way to share a free version of the episode uh, for to their audience. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. And one last question on that. Now, all of the episodes that you publish, each new one is available for free until three more are published, correct? Yep, absolutely. And so, but that wasn't the case at the beginning in the sense that there was already people who were gated off? No, yeah. In the beginning, um, the first uh, of the 50 interviews, 47 of them were gated off. <laughs> so we made the top three because we want to give you a taste. Like, here's what you're in for if you become a member. Um, we have to give them, you know, uh, you know, the drug dealer model. You know, the first hit's free. And then once you like it, you can come back and pay. And so, but we still, 47 of them, nobody had ever seen them. And we were not going to give them away in any way. That was a bold move. It was. <laughs> All right. So... You just mentioned there were a number of uh, tactics that you ended up using that really helped uh, move the needle for Growth Hacker TV. The ombre bar, the warning, the traffic jacker. Uh, let's dive right in. So uh, where did you, what did you start with? Yeah, I, you know, I don't remember the order um, exactly. Well, actually, I do remember. I think the warning was the first thing we did because, you know, with the warning, it's this thing when you go to it the first time you see a video, it actually has a warning and it says, and I don't remember the exact number on there, but it's something like, hey, you know, two out of three people who click play will end up becoming a member. It's some statistic like that. And it's actually based on our numbers. Like we looked at the number of people that hit play on a video and the number of people that convert to members. And we just did the math and we're like, all right, you know, there's an X percent chance you're going to give us your credit card number if you hit play. So be careful if you're going to hit play here. And there's a lot of psychology there. It shows them our conversion rates in a sense so that you're not the only one who's going to buy if you decide to buy. You're a part of a crowd. You're not the only guy giving us your credit card number. So there's the social proof built into a statistic like that. There's also the reverse psychology of, you know, when you tell somebody to not do something, they feel compelled to do that very thing. And so in this case, we tell them, you know, eh, be careful. You may not want to hit the play button because it ends with you giving us money. And so then they have to hit the play button and then they find themselves loving the content and then they end up becoming a member. And so it all comes true. Um, so that's our warning that we did. And that was probably the first thing we did. And that was kind of a fun little hack that we tried that a lot of people have, uh, have enjoyed. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that one, I definitely paid attention to it. And I think I ended up becoming a member at some point. Probably. Um, and one of the other things you mentioned that we did was the, uh, the ombre bar. And, you know, we call it the ombre bar, which is, you know, a crazy name for it, because the, the first time your IP address hits our website, um, we actually know that you've never been to the site before. So this bar, uh, it's sort of like a hello bar, but it's something we built custom. It drops down from the top of the site, and in big, bold letters on the left side, it says, hey, ombre. And we just wanted some kind of ridiculous welcome there, you know? And then next to that, it says, it looks like this is your first visit to our site. And because it's your first visit, uh, we're going to give you a week trial for free, but you have 60 minutes to sign up before you get the week trial. And then this countdown starts. So on the top right of this bar is this big flashing 60 minute countdown. So you have 60 minutes to make a decision on whether you want a free trial. And that, to get that free trial, you're going to input your credit card number and you will be charged when the trial expires. So you have a week to try it out. And if you don't cancel, we start charging your card. Um, there's a lot of psychology there as well. And that's going to be a theme. It, it's, it's psychology. The way you grow a product is through psychology. Technology is always secondary to psychology. And with that bar, 
so many people might buy your service, but you have to give them a reason to make a decision now and not later. Because your worst enemy is being put on someone's to-do list that maybe they'll think about becoming a member later. Maybe they'll think about buying their product later. You have to get them into a mode where you will make a decision right now. Either decide you don't want this product or decide you do want this product. But it's up to you as the marketer, as the growth hacker, to force the issue Put them in a place where they must make a decision. And that's what the ombre bar does. You have 60 minutes or you lose out. And that ombre bar, when you look at our stats, there is a, an obvious blip where the conversion rates just changed and the signups just changed. It was going well and then it went great. And so the ombre bar is awesome. And that whole thing, it's so cool, the story behind that, because my brother, who's one of the co-founders, he lives in Kentucky and I'm down in Florida. And I flew up for something. And we were going to work one day and we're like, all right, let's work at a Starbucks today. So we went to Starbucks and we're sitting in a Starbucks in Kentucky. And we started the day with this idea. We said, okay, let's sit down right now, get a cup of coffee. We are not allowed to leave Starbucks until we've built something that obviously moves the needle on our signups. And so we have however long we can, you know, stand sitting in a Starbucks to build whatever it is we're going to build. So we just started brainstorming. We started talking through ideas. We started, you know, kind of getting the juices flowing. And then finally we said, okay, this, this ombre bar, it might work. So we literally designed it, built it, launched it, and put the stats in to start tracking it all within an eight or 10 hour period in a Starbucks one day. And the next day our conversions were through the roof. And so growth hacking, if you're willing to hustle and you're willing to be creative and you're willing to do the stuff that matters, you can change your conversions. I will say the way that you guys have implemented these things, it's been incredibly well executed. The site looks beautiful. Uh, you make it look almost easy and I know that it's not. I'm actually just curious as a developer, uh, what you guys built your system in. Yeah, so my brother's the engineer. Um, he is a genius engineer. I tell everybody that. Um, I mean, he does stuff with code that's just unbelievable. Uh, the system's built in PHP. Um, I think that's kind of funny because, you know, everyone's, you know, like, oh, if it's not Ruby or if it's not some sexy new language or framework or whatever, end of the day, who cares what it's built in? All that matters is the psychology and the product value and getting people to actually buy something. And so ours is written in old school, ugly PHP. <laughs> Now I'm getting super, way too geeky for my audience, but I'm just wondering uh, one last thing, and I swear I'll get, jump off this, is are, are, are you using any uh, sort of PHP framework? None. We build everything right next to the metal. Um, wow. And we, and we actually like that because, you know, we actually had our web development company before building our own products. So we've built some pretty massive sites with a whole lot of money being transacted on a daily basis. And we've built um, just a lot of different kinds of sites. And every time we tried to use a theme or a plugin or a framework, we always realized there was a point to where the thing we wanted to do, we couldn't do without spending way too much time doing a workaround. So we just got to the point that we said, you know what, we're not going to save time early on by using a framework so that when we need to put in a quick growth hack, we can do it instantly without trying to reverse engineer someone else's system. And that has served us well every time we decide to do it. Everyone thinks we're crazy. They think we're wasting time. But you know what? It's working, so I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, and you're making uh, PHP developers look sexy, so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so we mentioned the ombre bar. We also mentioned the warning. There's another thing that you have that I took a lot of it or paid a lot of attention to as soon as I saw it, which is on your Twitter and other places. When you're sharing content, uh, a bar shows up at the top. I believe you called it the traffic jacker. You want to talk about that? 
Yeah, yeah. So here's the idea. You know, content marketing is on the rise. Um, you know, everybody's talking about content marketing in the last year or two. And, you know, we started looking at the guys we really liked who we thought were doing it well. So we looked at, you know, blogs like Kissmetrics. You know, they have such great content being put out every day. Um, and we thought, all right, how can we benefit from content marketing, but from a growth hacking point of view? Because if you were just doing traditional marketing, you would say, all right, let's hire people to write blog posts or let's get some guest bloggers in here to write content for us. But as a growth hacker, it goes back to leverage. How can I take a little bit of money, a little bit of energy, a little bit of time, and turn it into a massive win? So what we decided to do is create something called the Traffic Jacker. And what this, it's actually a program on the back end of our admin panel, and we can go into our admin panel, and we can type in any blog article on our admin panel. So I can go get a Kissmetrics blog post, and input it into my admin panel, and then it generates a new link for me to tweet out. And that new link is basically their website inside of our iframe, but what that means is, now I have control over the website, so I can put a pop-up to get an email address, I can put a drop-down to direct you to Growth Hacker TV. So I'm essentially giving them traffic and giving them stats and you know hits on their website, which is what they want. At the same time, I'm getting something in return, which is directing people to my products and getting their email addresses for my purposes. And so we call it the traffic jacker. Normally all the traffic goes to them. We've jacked some of their traffic and put it back onto our site. And so that's why, you know, like right now on Twitter, I think we have like 13,000 followers and they love following us because we're tweeting out awesome articles all day long. And when they go to those articles, they're able to see that we didn't write them, but we're getting the benefit of people going to them. And so it's almost like being a Kissmetrics or being one of those great you know, uh, content platforms without actually doing the legwork. <laughs> now, one thing I just wanna clarify there is when you say you're taking their traffic, that's not completely true because they're getting traffic as well, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it's showing up on their analytics as, you know, users and they're getting real readers and real users. I mean, we're not taking something, we're adding to what they already had. If we turned off the traffic jacker right now, everyone would not benefit from it because they would have less traffic to sell to advertisers or to get inbound leads for them. So it's a net win and that's the cool thing about it is they don't actually lose because we're winning. We both win with this hack. So one last thing that I wanted to mention was in addition to your interviews, you've begun publishing original content on your site. I believe you said you were writing it all yourself. I don't know if you have a schedule to that, like a frequency with which you uh, write those articles, um, but they're called recipes. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So I was kind of thinking about it and, you know, the episodes are great because, um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio books. Um, I know what it feels like to take in information through audio. And so the episodes are great for that. You're going on a run, you're going on a drive, whatever. But sometimes you need a recipe book. It's, it's not, you're not in the, let me gather information mode. You're in the, I'm going to do something right now to move the needle mode. And so we started thinking, let's write some recipes. Just like if you were going into your kitchen, you'd open up a recipe book. It'd tell you, here's the ingredients you need. Here's how much time it's going to take. And here's how you mix all the ingredients together to end up with this, you know, apple pie or whatever. Um, so we started doing that with growth hacks. And so you can go on there, you see a list of recipes and you can just pick the one you want to cook that day, 
and it tells you how to cook it. Here's what you need. Do you need an engineer? Do you need a designer? Do you need $500? Like it tells you what the ingredients are. And then it gives you a step-by-step, very simple recipe to follow. And so you just start at one and work your way down. And I just got an email um, a couple days ago. There was a website that started using our recipes. Uh, and this woman said they started using two of our recipes and they have increased their conversions I think by like 300,000%. And they sent me this chart where it just, you know, skyrockets into a hockey stick up into the right. And so these are recipes that we've used ourselves, that we've tried, that we feel like are solid. Um, there's been whole companies built off of our recipes. People read our recipes and realize that there's companies that could actually productize that idea. And they do, they go and productize the recipes. And so then people can have a little more automated way without having to cook it themselves. They're essentially the restaurant version of our recipes where you come in and pay for them to do it for you. Um, and so the recipes are pretty cool. And uh, I think I've written all of them, maybe except one or two. Um, I think a few other people might've had a couple of them there. I know Mike, one of our co-founders has one of them at least, and maybe two, um, but we don't have a certain schedule. It's more about inspiration. Um, when do we know that there's a recipe that's beyond a blog post? Because that's the way I view it is, you know, there's a certain litmus test for how good a recipe has to be. It can't just be something you read on a blog post. It can't just be another rehashing of a hack. It has to be something truly innovative, unseen, no one's doing it, has massive potential, and here you go on a silver platter. Um, and so our litmus test for what really could be a recipe is so high, we kind of wait till the inspiration hits and then we crank one out. Holy cow, you have uh, just made me want to go and immediately read through all of your recipes. <laughs> and I think this is like a great call to action at the end of this interview is if you want to change your business and transform it, then go check out the Growth Hacker TV recipes. Hey, thanks a lot, Nick. It's been awesome being here. Awesome. Thanks again. Listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week. I'm rolling and